0: If you're a California conservative, a libertarian, a moderate Democrat, believe in common sense, or just a sane person, this is the political podcast for you. It's the California Underground Podcast. What's going on? Good morning, everybody. Sorry for the late start this morning. I was diving into this Ninth Circuit ruling because I want to pull out as much stuff as possible to talk about today. It's a huge, huge opinion, um, most likely going on to the Supreme Court. So. This is a big deal. If you don't know what I'm talking about, there was a Ninth Circuit case. uh, Name was too long. A whole bunch of plaintiffs versus the Attorney General of California, Rob Bonta. Um, And we're going to get into that. We're going to talk about that. Uh, And more importantly, we're going to talk about the dissent because I think the dissent makes a lot of really good points. I wrote my law review article on the Second Amendment. There's mention of one of the cases that I talked about. So it will be interesting to talk about his kind of scathing dissent that really kind of sets up second amendment jurisprudence and jurisprudence means like case precedents and all that stuff. Um, And we're going to dive into that. But first, I want to show off this awesome new uh, sweatshirt I got. It's the Elites Hate You sweatshirt. Just got it in last night. It's super soft, super comfortable. I'm not usually a sweatshirt guy, but the inside liner is very soft and smooth, which is really nice, um, especially as it's getting a little colder for the holiday season. Um, if you'd like to pick one up, they are available. It's pinned in this live so you can check it out. Um, this is a medium. So it gives you an idea of like what size this is. This is a medium. It's a little snug fitting, but I like it a little more snug fitting. Um, so if you're a guy you want a little bit bigger, I probably go with a large or something for girls. Um, you know, I tried my wife likes this as well, so she'll probably be stealing this. Um, so yeah, you can check it out in the little pinned product below. Tomorrow night, uh, Natalie will be rejoining as a co-host for tomorrow night at eight PM, um, and we'll be talking about a whole bunch of things, including what I call the "Oh my gosh, oh my god" uh, Um We'll be joined. We'll be talking about that. What's going on there? What's going on in LA? A lot of stuff going on. Um, probably also touch upon what went down with Noodles and his vacation to Mexico. Uh, just as a preview, $29,000, $29,000 $29, $29 a night at this luxurious resort that he spent at. So either one of two things, either he has a lot of money that he just likes to blow on big resorts or lobbyists are paying for it or taxpayers are paying for it. I don't think taxpayers are paying for it. Cause I think that would be a huge scandal if he went down and did it for, for family and press said that they, uh, supposedly paid for it by themselves. But I'd like to venture that probably some of his rich lobbyist buddies, Probably had something to do with how we spent $29,000 a night for an entire week down in Mexico. So we'll get into that tomorrow as well. But today I really want to focus on this ruling that came out of the Ninth Circuit regarding high capacity magazines. Now, a little backstory of what happened. This case came up down here in the Southern District of California in federal court. Um, It was ultimately held by Judge St. Benitez uh, that... Yes, the high ban capacity ban or the high the ban on high capacity magazines here in California was unconstitutional. Uh, if you don't know who St. Benita is, is, he's usually one judge in all of California in the federal courts who does uphold the Second Amendment over time and time and time again. Most of his rulings do get overruled at the Ninth Circuit. We saw this here. So to give you a little bit of background, what happened was he obviously got appealed right to the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, then... Uh, after a two to one vote that, yeah, it's OK to overturn this, um, basically saying that the ban was unconstitutional, of course, California jumped in again and said, hey, we want to hear this en banc. And en banc is a legal term for we want the entire Ninth Circuit to hear it. Now, that means there's going to be nine justices or nine judges on the Ninth Circuit who are going to hear it. Why do they want that? Because they know that there's judges who probably didn't hear the case, who they probably wanted to get on there so they could vote one way or the other or go with it, and they got the result that they wanted. In a 7-2 to two ruling, they they all voted or, or held that the high ban, uh, the high capacity ban, I'll get it out eventually, the high capacity ban on magazines was constitutional. It's fine. Um, I don't want to really get into their argument because... The dissent written by uh, Judge Bumate is just absolutely blistering, has some great precedents, has some great points that I think are important that if you're going to go out and kind of argue this out in the world, argue this out on social media, argue this with relatives or friends or whoever who don't know anything about the Second Amendment, I'm going to give you some ammo based on this ruling and actual case precedents and history and all that. So you can go back and say, nope. This is the ruling. This is why they did it. This is why we have the Second Amendment. And you're wrong on all these points because I made this comment on his post on Noodles post yesterday about weapons of war. And he says, oh, weapons of war don't belong in the streets. Um, and I said, well, what are you talking about with weapons of war? Like, and then he shows a picture of shotgun and a pistol and all that stuff, because those are weapons of war. Um, and I got a whole bunch of comments of people saying, oh, you don't need a, you know, 30 round magazine to go hunting when in reality, that's one of the dumbest arguments I've ever heard when it comes to the second amendment. That wasn't the point of the second amendment was, uh, yeah, you shall have the right to go and hunt deer. That was not a constitutional right. Um, so we're going to get into the dissent, the, you can go read. I mean, if you want to go read it for yourself, there's good articles. California globe does a good breakdown of basically what the, Majority says, um, but it's really important, I think, that this dissent and I think this dissent is basically saying the Supreme Court needs to hear this, the Supreme Court needs to hear what's going on here. Um, and some other background when you have all these different appeals courts, so federal courts are broken up into all these different circuits, right? And all these different circuits represent different areas of the country. So the Ninth Circuit, we have a whole bunch, we actually have a lot of states. In the Ninth Circuit. Um, And there has been talk about the Ninth Circuit being broken up because it is almost too big and the caseload is a little bit too much for the Ninth Circuit to handle. Uh, But anyway, there's all these different circuits, right? And all these different circuits have different judges and justices and they all come to different rulings and they all come with different ideas and, and, and rulings and holdings and all that stuff. So one circuit that may encompass like Texas, may say, no, this is the rule for the Second Amendment. This is how we should interpret any law or any case involving the Second Amendment. Now you move over to California with the Ninth Circuit, and what happens is is that you have other justices who says, no, this is how we should do it. And even in this case, they say, well, there's 14 other case or or, or other states that kind of agree with the way we do it. Um, And what this Judge Bumate is basically saying is, no, we the Supreme Court has laid it out perfectly how we're supposed to follow this and how we're supposed to do this. But we did it wrong again. And he kind of throws a little shade at at the majority saying, look, we got it wrong in covid. Supreme Court overturned us a bunch of times, like five times. Um, so we got it wrong. Again, we seem to keep stumbling over the constitution. Ninth circuit seems to have a little bit of a problem with the constitution because the Supreme court keeps overruling them. Um, so that's when, when that happens, what they call a circuit split. And when you have all these different circuits with different rules and applying different ways, it's actually the role of the Supreme court. It's not like a decision. Their duty is to step in and say, okay, we've all these different rules. We have all this different case law. It's our job as the Supreme Court to come to one standardized ruling that will be uniform throughout the land, meaning this is it. This is the rule. That way you don't go from one state to another state and your constitutional rights are being infringed here, but they're not being infringed over here. That's the job of the Supreme Court. So this is why one of those, and it's set up perfectly this case. I'm sorry if I'm getting a little wonky this morning, but I think it's important to talk about because- Um, the second amendment always under fire here in California. And more importantly, the constitution always seems to be under fire here in California. So I always like breaking this stuff down. Um, so more importantly, they need to know what, what is the rule? What is the rule that we're all going to follow? Um, and what's the rule that we're all going to listen to? Um, and as I was saying this case, and I think Bumate's dissent perfectly sets up what's going on here. He's basically saying, look, this is what the Supreme Court says, and this is what you guys are saying, which is inconsistent with what the Supreme Court says. Therefore, the Supreme Court needs to step in and figure this out and send down a ruling and decide on this case and give us a rule so we know exactly what we're doing. Um, So the next step, someone just asked, what's the next step? SCOTUS it's going to be on to the Supreme Court I think gun owners of America already said that they're going on to the Supreme Court they're one of the I don't know if they're one of the plaintiffs or they've been filing amicus briefs amicus briefs are basically like we are interested in this case and we want to kind of help inform the court with what's going on they may not be a plaintiff or a party but you can file an amicus brief and say hey this is what I think and I'm this is why I'm interested and this is what you should know about it It helps the judges kind of figure out the law a little bit better um So the next step is obviously Supreme Court. Now, Supreme Court already has a huge case in front of it in terms of the Second Amendment, which is the case out of New York, which is all about whether you have a right to carry and whether you can put uh kind of regulations and infringements on your right to carry. Um and so we were talking about this, me and a couple other buddies of mine who were who were following the case. Basically, what happens is, as I understand it, if the Supreme Court knocks down the rule in New York and says this is unlawful, it likely opens up the right for constitutional carry in the entire country. It would open up that ruling so that everybody can just start to carry. But that's not what we're talking about today. We're talking about this Ninth Circuit case coming out of California, specifically out of here in the Southern District of California about the ban on high-capacity magazines. Now, a little bit of back history, there was a proposition that was passed, I think it was Prop 63, that people voted to um, enact this ban on high-capacity magazines. They then made it illegal to own these high-capacity magazines. Even if you had one, what you could do is you could sell it back to a firearm dealer, or you could get it out of the state somehow. Um, But either way, you are not allowed to have anything above a 10 round magazine. So the whole argument here and a little bit of kind of like the cliff notes of what the majority said was, well, there's no reason for you to own a 10 round magazine or anything more than that. There's really no lawful purpose. Citizens don't really need more than a 10 round magazine. Um, They go through this two step process. And the two step process is basically one, does it infringe or uh, kind of disable you from being able to exercise your Second Amendment rights. And if not, they go on to their second one. Basically, what level of scrutiny are we going to apply to this? Now, there's two levels of scrutiny. And again, I'm trying to really just give this the Cliff Notes. I don't want to get too legally wonky at nine o'clock in the morning. Um, there's intermediate and there's strict. There's not many times they apply strict in this sense. It's a lot of intermediate. Intermediate basically means that if the government can show a reasonable... Uh, justification for this, then it's fine. Then they can do that. Now, there's a problem with that, which we'll get into with Judge Boumante and his dissent. But there's a problem with that because now the courts can basically look at it and the government can say, well, here's our reasonable uh, justification for why we need this policy to stay in place. It's not a high bar. It's not a high bar for them to pass to say, well, we really just need it for Uh, because we want to stop mass shootings. Okay. That sounds like a reasonable justification. Therefore it's fine. It doesn't infringe on your second amendment rights. Awesome. Move on. That's their whole thing. Now it's interesting. And the one thing that I do remember reading from the majority that made me go, excuse me, what, um, is they kind of say, well, military and soldiers need magazines that are more than 10 rounds. Obviously they're in war. They need something with more, more rounds. Uh, and the only other people you see outside of soldiers are criminals. Criminals also use magazines that are higher than 10 rounds. So it's kind of weird that they 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 acknowledge that, well, criminals will get their hands on magazines that are above 10 rounds anyway. But you lawful abiding citizen, you can't have anything above 10 rounds because that would be unreasonable and it would be dangerous, right? Because if we just enact this law, no criminal can ever have a 10 round magazine, We've saved the streets. Look, we've gotten all these weapons of war off the street, as Gavin Newsom said, um, which to me kind of, I, I read that and I read it a couple of times I said, so you admit that criminals will get these high round magazines anyway, but lawful citizens can't have that right. So if a criminal breaks into your house with a magazine that's more than 10 rounds and you only have 10 rounds, well, you're SOL. Sorry, because that's what the Ninth Circuit has determined. But- Without further ado, I want to hop into this dissent because I think it's a fantastic, well-written dissent. He just eviscerates the majority and lays out his argument as to why this is completely unconstitutional. I couldn't have said it better myself. Um, And he goes through some great precedents and some great uh, case law and history and all that stuff as to why we need to protect the Second Amendment um, even more than we are currently doing, which is why I think this sets it up for... The supreme court to hear this case and now with a majority even excluding roberts now with a majority of mostly conservative justices and by conservative i don't mean like like republican yeah they were appointed by republicans i mean that they are originalists they believe in the textualism the intent of the constitution and that's something that he talks about here i also have a hard stop today i do have to hop on a call at 10 a.m so i want to get through this and leave some time for questions um, again, tomorrow night at 8 PM live on YouTube will be the podcast. So if you want to hop on there, uh, you can find it, subscribe, you get the notifications of when we're going live. Uh, it's California underground. You'll see the exact logo. And if you love this sweet swag that I'm wearing right now, that the elites hate you, um, check it out in the store, or you can check the link right below. So let's get started with this descent. uh, judge Bumateh. When Justice Brandeis observed that the states are the laboratories of democracy, he didn't mean that states can experiment with people's rights. It's a good way to start. But that's what California does here. The state bans magazines that can carry over 10 rounds, a firearm component with a long historical lineage commonly used by Americans for lawful purposes, like self-defense. And he goes into sort of the historical that this isn't a new thing. You know, 10, anything more than 10 rounds is not a new thing in American history. They make it sound like all of a sudden this was a new technology when it really hasn't been. It can't be because these magazines lack constitutional protection. The majority assumes they are, and it can't be because the ban is long, longstanding. standing. California's law is of recent vintage. Rather, the law survives because the majority has decided that the cost of enforcing the second amendment's promises are too high. Very good. And he talks about this case, District of Columbia v. Heller. Um, Really important case in constant in kind of Second Amendment jurisprudence. If you don't know, at least go read like the Wikipedia page about District of Columbia versus Heller. There's two cases, Heller and McDonald are two incredibly important Second Amendment cases that changed the way the Second Amendment was treated in this country. Um, So definitely check those out. Uh Talking about high capacity magazines, they enjoyed widespread use throughout the 19th and 20th centuries. They number in the millions in the country today with no long-standing prohibitions against them. Large capacity magazines are thus entitled to the Second Amendment's protection. And they go over factual stuff and then the legal background. At the outset, it's worth emphasis that the Second Amendment guarantee a pre-existing fundamental natural right. That's because it is necessary to protect and maintain and validate the three great and primary rights of personal security, personal liberty and private property. In other words, the right is among the residuum of human rights which is not intended to be given up to society and which is indeed is not necessary to be given up for any good social purpose. So, let's dive into that for a second. The Bill of Rights And this is something that leftists and statists always get wrong. They always seem to not figure this out. The Bill of Rights and the Constitution, the way it was written, the intent of the Constitution is written so that it protects your natural rights given by your creator, whether it's God or whoever, you just believe by nature. So these are natural rights as a human being that you have just by existing, by being born into this world. These are rights that every human being has. America is just the only country that has really kind of codified them and put them into a Bill of Rights and the Constitution. That's not saying that people across this country or across the globe don't have these rights. That was the whole philosophy was that humans were born with these rights and that the government should be as a way not infringing on those rights and trying to make sure those rights are, are upheld. That's their job. Statists and leftists always like to argue that the Constitution grants you rights. That's not the case, and especially not here with the Second Amendment. People always think the Second Amendment is about—it's about hunting. It's about oh, I don't know. It's about this, that, and the other thing. Um, it's not. It's not. It's the Second Amendment has a long history, and I know because I wrote my law review article on this. So I went, I dove into a lot of historical papers about this. The Second Amendment is about protecting yourself, uh, protecting your right, protecting your property, right? Because those things are rights you have. And if you don't have a way to protect yourself or your property or your family or anything, then a lot of those other rights don't really matter because someone can just come in and take them from you, which is an infringement on your natural rights. So the Second Amendment was written so that they acknowledge that you have that right to self defense. And people seem to get that confused. People seem to misconstrue it. They seem to think it's a right given to you by the government, that they allow you to have it. When in reality that right is natural. The government has no right to give it or take it away. And there's a lot of natural rights, but we're only focusing on the Second Amendment today. Okay, moving on. He writes a really good dissent, so it's uh it's pretty long, I tried to take Uh, Most of the highlights out on En Banc review, we should have scrapped this regime and adopted what the Supreme Court tells us is the proper analytical framework, one that looks to the text, history and tradition of the Second Amendment. And this is him talking about the two step process. And he really goes in on it before turning to Heller, what Heller did. It's important to understand what it did not do. Heller did not give lower courts license to pursue their own conception of the Second Amendment. So Heller basically said that you can't ban handguns, right? And that was the rule. You can't ban the possession of firearms in the home um, and to protect the Second Amendment. Now, that didn't leave open all these other lower courts to figure out, well, this is how we're going to apply the Second Amendment. No, the ban, is, it's complete. You you can't ban Second Amendment activity, Um. So the majority, he says, and this is the question, if the challenge law affects conduct that is so protected by Second Amendment's right, and if so, we choose to apply the appropriate level of scrutiny. Um, That's the rule that he's going after, and basically he has a big issue with it because it grants way too much leniency to these justices and these judges. Practically speaking, that means putting a thumb on the scale for intermediate scrutiny. In over a dozen post-Heller Second Amendment cases, we have never adopted strict scrutiny for any regulation. That's because our court interprets interprets the sliding scale to require intermediate scrutiny so long as there is alternative channels for self-defense. What's more, we often employ a toothless intermediate scrutiny upholding the regulation if it reasonably fits the state's asserted public safety objective. In other words, so long as a firearms regulation aims to achieve a conceivably wise policy measure, the Second Amendment won't stand in the way. In effect, this means we simply give a blank check to lawmakers to infringe on the Second Amendment right. Indeed, post-Heller, we have never struck down a single firearms regulation. So again, this is coming back to this rule that if you apply this level of scrutiny, this Intermediate scrutiny, where all the government has to do is say a reasonable justification for it. Oh, then it's fine. That's fine. And also, the court can kind of step in and be like, Well, do we believe it's reasonable based on their arguments? Yeah, we believe it's reasonable. So, in this case specifically, you have seven justices who were all appointed by Democrats who said, Yeah, it seems reasonable to us. Well, of course, it seems reasonable to you because that seems like your personal policies or your personal policy preferences. And, um, that's what he's arguing against here, is that by allowing this enough enough of a sliding scale for these justices and these judges to kind of figure out whether it's reasonable or not, then the Second Amendment can be chipped away at slowly but surely by, by justices who are unelected rather than really interpreting the Second Amendment. Um, do, 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 do. First, he talks about... Um, Justice Breyer, in response, and then he's talking about what happened in Heller uh, and what the majority said to Breyer's who said, we should put in a interest balancing inquiry because again, interest balancing means that the justices can kind of tip the scales however they want. In response, the court bristled at the suggestion that a constitutional right could hinge on the cost benefit analysis of unelected judges. We know of no other enumerated constitutional right whose core protection has been subjected to a freestanding, interest-balancing approach. The very enumeration of the right takes out of the hands of government, even the third branch of government, the power to decide on a case-by-case basis whether the right is really worth insisting upon. A constitutional guarantee subject to future judges' assessment of its usefulness is no constitutional guarantee at all. Right? Right? So if a judge can come in, an activist judge can come in down the line and change their mind and say, well, I'm going to apply my own personal preferences and my own personal interests, then what's the point of having a constitutional guarantee? Because a judge can just later rule that it's not a constitutional guarantee. And that happens with a lot of rights. And Second Amendment, they always say is like an orphan right, because they always thought about the First Amendment, the Fourth Amendment, the Fifth Amendment. These are the big amendments that everyone always talks about that are absolutely protected. Um, but the second amendment always kind of gets left out in the cold because they try and add like these interest policies, interest balancing policies. And, um, the court in Heller basically said, no, like we can't, we we can't treat it on an interest balancing inquiry because each court and every judge is going to determine it differently. There has to be a rule. Now that's the Supreme court's fault. They have to lay out an actual rule, which I think they're going to have to do soon because all these second amendment cases are coming up. They have to address this. Um, and then there was a case, uh, Caetano, which I wrote my law review about and it had it involved, didn't even involve a gun. It had to do with a, um, taser gun. Woman was protecting herself from assault and, uh, they found that the taser gun to use to protect herself was unlawful. Uh, and so she was arrested for it. Um, but it went up to the Supreme court and found out that no, taser gun is fine. You can use that to protect yourself. So they're saying in the Caetano case, the court drew three takeaways from Heller. One, the Second Amendment protects arms not in existence at the time of the founding. Two, a weapon not in common use at the time of the Second Amendment's enactment does not render it unusual. And three, the Second Amendment protects more than only those weapons useful in warfare. Now this is important to remember because you always hear this from leftists and statists saying, Well, they wrote it back in the time when it was only muskets. That's it. That's all they should have. If you wanna, you know, if you wanna listen to the Second Amendment, then you should only be allowed to have muskets, you know. That's like, bro, that's all you should be allowed to do is like have those muskets and those little like gunpowder pistols. Like, that's it. That's all the Second Amendment pr- protects. Um, Caetano says no, 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 no. It's what's in common use at that time. Basically, they made the Second Amendment to protect your right to have a firearm to protect yourself because they said at the time, these are the firearms that are common. But that doesn't mean that this is it. This isn't a vacuum. These are the only firearms that are protected. It's what's in common usage at the time. So it adapts to what is in common usage at the time. Um, bu- 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 keep keeping going. There's a lot to get here, to here, so I tried to pull out as much as possible. Um, a chorus. I was, uh, 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 and then he's talking about circuit court judges. Um, he talks about chorus of them rejecting interest balancing. We cannot square the type of means-ending weight of a government regulation inherent in the tiers of scrutiny analysis with Heller's directive that a court constitutional protection should not be subjected to a freestanding interest balancing approach. The judges are not empowered to recalibrate the rights owed to the people has been stated again. Our duty as unelected and unaccountable judges is to defer to the view of the people who ratified the Second Amendment which is itself the very product of an interest balanced by the people. By ignoring the balance already struck by the people and instead subjecting the rights, like the second amendment to our own judicial balancing, we do violence to the constitutional design. Yep. And he keeps going on about how this intermediate scrutiny is basically a sleight of hand, how the judges can kind of put their um, finger on the scale. I like this. This is where he throws shade at the majority. He says, Of course, this would not be the first time that our court struggled mightily to understand the Supreme Court's directions. Um, this is the fifth time the court has summarily rejected the Ninth Circuit uh, analysis of California COVID restrictions on a religious exercise. And that was from Tandon v. Newsom, which was overturned. Um and Boud says, uh, bumate says, We have done so again here, and it is a shame. Basically, he's saying the Ninth Circuit has a really, really bad way of uh, continually over uh, uh, infringing on the Constitution. The Supreme Court has to keep kind of like swatting us back. Um, did they talk about the people ratified the Second Amendment in 1791 to protect an enduring right, not one subject to the whims of future judges or the evolution of the words used to articulate the right. The view is not radical. Chief Justice Marshall expressed in a similar sentiment in 1827, the Constitution's words, he said, are to be understood in that sense in which they are generally used by those for whom the instrument was intended, that its provisions are neither to be restricted into insignificance, very important, very important, into insignificance, meaning that you can't chip away at a right to the point where it doesn't actually become a right anymore, nor extended to objects not comprehended in them. Um, keep going on. So this is where he brings in a lot of history, which is is pretty good. Um, Large capacity magazines are arms under the Second Amendment. The court tells us that the term bearable arms includes any weapons of offense or thing a man wears for his defense or takes into his hands that is carried for the purpose of offensive or defensive action. It doesn't matter if the arm was not in existence at the time of the founding. So they're basically saying that even a magazine, which obviously holds the rounds which you need to fire with the gun that's protected by the second amendment so infringing on the magazine itself is effectively an infringement on the second amendment because without the rounds and without the the, the magazine what's the point of having a second amendment anyway basically they're gonna be like sooner or later they're gonna be like "Mm, you know what you really don't need 10 how about three can you do three rounds out of your ar i mean if you're that good you don't need more than three that's another bad argument i always hear from leftists is why do you need 10 what are you so bad at it like you need 10 um here we look to the second amendment's text for its enduring meaning its prefatory clause reads a well-regulated militia being necessary to the scrutiny of a free state the court has told us that this prefatory clause fits perfectly with the amendments operative clauses individual right to keep and bear arms the way tyrants had eliminated a militia consisting all the able body was not banning the militia, but simply by taking away the people's arms, enabling a select militia or standing army to suppress political opponents. Thus the prefatory clause announces the purpose for which the right was codified to prevent elimination of the militia. Right. This is something people always bring up and that the leftists and statists always say, well, what are you going to do? You're going to fight the government with like an AR 15. Maybe who knows? You might, I mean, think crazier things have happened. I mean, Americans picked up their, their, their hunting rifles and went out and fought the strongest empire in the world to fight back for their rights. Um, and as far as I know, the American army is not very good at fighting guerrilla warfare. So, um, just look at Iraq and Afghanistan. They seem to be able to hold their own without all the military might of the American military. So basically they're saying that you can't get rid of the arms because you'd be getting rid of the militia. And that's the whole point of having the militia um is to hold them accountable. Thus the lifeblood of militia service was citizens armed with weapons typically possessed at home for lawful purposes. As a result, the second amendment protects such a such weapons as a class. So the second amendment protects the type of bearable weapons commonly used by citizens and at the rate for militia se- service, whether it's not 1791 or today. Uh, what remains is an inquiry that is simultaneously historical and contemporary. The historical inquiry is relevant because we reason by analogy from history and tradition when interpreting the constitution. So there you go. Some good, some more good stuff. Uh, and then he goes into talk about like, you know, he didn't want to go through the whole thing, but he kind of listed off like there've been large capacity magazines in this country. Uh, the first known firearm capable of firing more than 10 rounds without reloading was a 16 shooter invented in 1580. The earliest record of a repeating firearm in America know that fire more than 10 rounds in 1722. Samuel Niles wrote of Indians being entertained by a firearm that, though loaded but once, was discharged 11 times, following with bullets in the space of two minutes. Yep. Um, And he keeps going on about different ones and and how there's been high capacity firearms for a long time i want to get to the end of this because he kind of wraps it up real well and then we'll wrap up and i got about five minutes before i do have to hop off sorry this was a little bit of a shorter one but i thought this really kind of hit home i thought this was really good um again we're going to talk more tomorrow night on the podcast live on youtube um so if you want to dive in there as well we're going to talk about more about the omg shmarion um do, 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 do. California's experiment bans magazines that are commonly owned by millions of law-abiding citizens for lawful purposes. These magazines are neither dangerous and unusual, nor are they subject to long-standing regulatory measures. In ratifying the Second Amendment, the people determine that such restrictions are beyond the purview of government. Our court reaches the opposite conclusion and contravention of the Constitution and Supreme Court precedent. In doing so, it once again employs analytical tools foreign to the Constitution, grafting terms like intermediate scrutiny, alternative channels, and reasonable fit that may appear nowhere in its text. So yet again, we undermine the judicial role and promote ourselves to the position of a super legislator voting on which fundamental rights protected by a constitution will be honored and which will be dispensed with. He nails it. And I think he, Judge Bumate he absolutely nails it. He sets it up perfectly. I think he sets it up perfectly for the Supreme Court to step in and be like, Correct. There (laughs) this needs to be rectified. And this whole Second Amendment jurisprudence needs to be rectified. And I think that this is really setting it up for a general rule on what's going to come down at the Supreme Court. And I think the first indication is going to be that case out of New York. The first case, that case out of New York and whether you have the constitutional right to carry or not is going to be huge. And if you can if the Supreme Court comes out and says, Yeah, you have a constitutional right to carry, We don't think there should be any really any regulations on it. It, Everyone should be basically shall issue. Shall issue means you have to issue it unless there's some sort of like reason you shouldn't be carrying a firearm, like, you know, convictions of felonies or anything like that. Um, Then most people will be allowed and that will change overnight in California, whether people can carry or not. Um, But it is interesting. I think he sets up the argument that you have these justices, and this is an issue in federal court and the Supreme Court and the circuit courts and the appellate courts, is you have these justices who kind of put their thumb on the scale. They put their thumb on the scale whereby they are um, putting their own policy distinctions or their own policy decisions into these cases and into these laws. And that's not their role. Their role is not to look at it and say, well, do we agree with the legislature? Sure, we agree with the legislature because we probably voted for most of them. That's not your job as a judge. Your job as a judge is to look at the law, to look at the precedents, and to look at all these historical documents and see what the point of the Second Amendment was, why it was interpreted. And one of the biggest points you can always take away and tell people was that the Second Amendment was not created just to protect hunting. It was not Created just to protect this idea of the militia. It was created out of this idea of the natural right that you have an ability to defend yourself and to defend your home and to defend your family. That was the right. And that you have these rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, like the Declaration says, and you have the ability to protect those rights. And without the ability to protect those rights, then there really is no right at all. Then anybody can kind of really infringe on that right. So, keep an eye on it i'm sure it'll be uh sent up to the supreme court but they'll do is they'll file what they call a petition of writ of certiorari, meaning that they are asking the court to hear this uh and this is a big case and i think i would like to think that the justices now the way they're aligned would like to hear something on this because it's been a long time since they really handed down a second amendment decision that really kind of helps change jurisprudence here heller and mcdonald were a long time ago right heller and mcdonald were a long time ago they definitely changed second amendment jurisprudence but there still needs to be a lot of clarification on the rules on uh specifically how it's applied for the lower courts and it could effectively change things for second amendment for a long time if these if the new york case is held that you can constitutionally carry and if this is that you can't ban on high capacity weapons. Um, so that's where we are right now. I have a couple minutes left for questions. Anybody want to ask any questions about the case that I can try and answer, go right ahead. Uh, we'll we'll kind of just stick to that topic and focus on that. Because tomorrow we'll talk about more of the, the more COVID stuff that's happening, um, as well as Newsom's $29,000 night um, vacation, which, you know, remember... As I always like to say, the elites hate you, meaning they don't really care about you. They 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 want your vote and they want the vote that gives them power. And then at the end of the day, they'll just take that power and just abuse it because they don't view you as as equals. They hate you. Um, someone has said, oh, you know, I'm looking forward to buy buying... There's stickers available. So I was like, I'm looking forward to being able to buy a sticker so that I can show it off to um, some a co-worker and so that they can get nice and upset about it i thought that was pretty funny um but it's it's weird it's a, kind of a nonpartisan statement to say like the elites hate you because if you're good de- you're, you're gonna sit out there and defend whether the elites hate you or not um is there a difference between concealed carry and just carry uh yeah there is a difference i think this case specifically deals with whether you can open carry um because concealed carry i think they want restrictions on concealed carry so that people can know whether or not you are carrying a firearm. Um, but I think in this particular case, the New York case that the Supreme Court is deciding, I think it's about open carry. So I think overnight, if this the Supreme Court holds there's no restrictions, I guess overnight you could just do constitutional carry across the country and be like, well, that's the rule now. Um, and you can't infringe on it. So um, there's a lot of big cases coming up at the Supreme Court. I think right now oral arguments are being heard over a case uh, that has to do that could potentially overturn Roe v. Wade. Um, so, you know, say what you will about Donald Trump and President Trump. He did get some justices in there who could change things, could change the legal landscape for a long time. They, they kind of are the stopgap right now um, when it comes to all this crazy, loony sort of stuff and tearing the republic apart. Uh, but yeah, I, that's what I, 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 haven't dived into the New York case as much. I just kind of was discussing it with some other colleagues of mine, uh, to get their opinion on it. So, all right. If anyone else doesn't have any questions, thank you again for tuning in. Sorry. I was a little late this morning. I was diving in through this opinion. I was trying to get the most out of it so I could get some really um really good points would that case mean you can legally carry new york city too i would assume so i mean i guess if the law of the land is that you can't put regulations on open carry or or whatever they're deciding it would go into effect and everything would be in controversy to that so um where is that article you read uh you can go to california globe californiaglobe.com they do some good reporting on a lot of california to- topics and it was hard to find like California news. That's not like San Francisco Chronicle or LA times, but the California globe is very good. Um, yeah, when I get a chance, I can share the article in my stories. I'll share the link and all that. So you can go check out the entire article, um, it kind of runs down everything and it gives you the real rundown of what's happening with this case. Um, but that's it. I do have to run. Uh, I do have a hard stop this morning. At 10 o'clock thank you again for tuning in everybody uh hope everyone had a great thanksgiving and all that um and yeah every wednesday morning 9 a.m coffee in california politics make sure you tune in tomorrow night as well over on youtube 8 p.m um if not it's always recorded and you can always go back and check it out live you can check it out later you don't know, but you won't be able to do live where you'd be able to chat and ask questions and stuff like that and add comments Um, But you can check it out tomorrow night at 8 p.m. You can also listen to the podcast. All of this is turned into a podcast you can find on Spotify, Google, iTunes, all that stuff. Really appreciate it. If you share it with other people, spread the word about it, subscribe, like, review all that stuff for the podcast um, and help spread the word and, um, you know, help people find find this platform. And I appreciate everybody uh, for tuning in today. Um, and I will see you guys on the next one. All right, later.